I would like you to turn to the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. Turn to the book of Exodus and go to chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2. Um, this morning, uh, before, we, before we begin, I just want to tell you, uh, this last week, I spent the entire week uh, from Sunday night, I flew out and arrived in Orlando, Florida, late Sunday night, early Monday morning, and was there until Friday evening, and then flew back here uh, late Friday night, and uh, we were at, uh, I'm, I'm a part of what's called the General Presbytery, which is like the leadership, of, there's about 300 leaders in the Assemblies of God, and I've been privileged and honored to be one of those for about 20, 21 years, and uh, I was uh, involved in those meetings for much of this week, and the only reason that I say that is, I want you to know from an insider's viewpoint, uh, I'm very grateful. Now, the kingdom of God, thank the Lord, is much larger than the assemblies of God. I'm so grateful that in heaven, we aren't going to be separated by the different denominational labels, but we are a part of the Assemblies of God Church, and I'm very grateful that uh, from, the, from an insider's viewpoint, the, the things that we grapple with are how can we plant more churches, and how can we uh, help uh, uh, the existing churches come to greater health? That's where we spend about 99% of our time, just dealing with those things. And thank God we are not dealing with some of the ungodly, unbiblical issues that are dividing and, and can I even say, infiltrating uh, certain denominations. I'm very grateful for that. And it's one of the reasons why I have continued in leadership so that we can be vigilant with that. But I'm very, very grateful for that. So this week was, uh, I, spent, I spent five days in Orlando, but the only ride that I went on was the moving walkway in the Minneapolis airport. That's the only ride that I went on. And that was enough for me. I'm, I'm good with that. That's, that's plenty. But uh, thank you for praying for uh, us. Oh, also, Mia Doherty. Uh, you saw her mother Amy here on the platform a little while ago, but uh, uh, Mia was one of our students who advanced from the district level in her area of fine arts. She uh, songwriting, and she did very well. She got an excellent rating at the national level. And so, if you see Mia, I don't know if she's back yet, but if you see her later on, um, go ahead and congratulate her, or in subsequent weeks congratulate her. She's a fine young woman. She's got another year involved in, in fine arts, and she was competing there in Orlando as well. And so it's just a wonderful opportunity to gather together. There were, um, I mentioned there were about 300 people in the leadership team, but about 16,000 people actually gathered there. And so it was, uh, it was uh, just really a lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, before we go into the Word, take the Bible in your hand, whether it's a device or, or paper and leather. Just go ahead and take it in your hands and let's pray. Jesus, I pray that your word would speak to our hearts, that, that the examples that we're going to give today would um, really penetrate our hearts, not just our minds, but our hearts. Because Lord, if you do a work in us and not only speaking to us, but we, we take this in uh, as hungry people, then we will live it and not just hear it. And we really want to be doers of your word, not just hearers of your word. So, Lord, we pray this together, and we thank you, Lord, for these moments ahead. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the book of Exodus in your Bible, your turn there. The book of Exodus in your Bible records, it in, actually in the first chapter, it records that in the 14th century B.C., that's a very long time ago, right? 
3,400 years ago. In the 14th century BC, newborn boys in Egypt were being killed. Think of that. Newborn boys in Egypt were being killed. If you don't know the story or, or you haven't seen the movie, then you can, then you can read about it later. Uh, but it was certainly a low point for God's people in that society. And really, in some regards, it was the low point for that society. I mean, any society that puts its children purposely to death is it's a low point. So God's people... They were in slavery at this time. God's people who were in this society were very discouraged. Why wouldn't they be? Their children, their, their little boys, infant boys, just newly born, were being killed. And that, along with some other problems, is why Exodus chapter 2, look down at verse 23, says this. The people of Israel, that's the Jewish people, the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. I want you to notice there a couple of words. It says that they groaned and they cried out. Have you ever been, oh, probably not in this position, but have you ever been in a place where you were feeling something so deeply, maybe so discouraged or hurting so much that it's almost as if you groaned or you cried out? I mean, you felt it, pardon the expression, you felt it deep in your gut. You groaned, you cried out. But it was also at this time, big picture, it was also at that time that a boy was born, we know him as Moses, but it was during this terrible, terrible low point that a boy was born who would become the person that God would use to set his people free some years later. Again, big picture, I want you to see that in the middle of their pain, God had a plan. In the middle of their pain, God had a plan and what seemed to be a time of great breakdown actually became a time of great breakthrough. God had a plan in their pain. Later on, years go by, a lot of years go by, in the Bible's book of Nehemiah, it's not only a person, but it's also the name of the book, in the Bible's book of Nehemiah, it records that in the 5th century, so about 2,500 years ago, it records that in the 5th century BC, the, the city that the Jew Jewish people revered, Jerusalem, was in absolute ruins. It was, it was undefended, it was, it was, it was vulnerable, there were, no, there were no walls around it, no defenses. They, anybody could come in and do anything, any, anyone who had any evil intention to the people or the, the city itself, they could just come right in. And the man named Nehemiah, who was not living in Jerusalem at the time, but he was far to the east, it says when he heard about it, he was broken. In fact, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, describes his brokenness. Here's what it says. As soon as I heard these words about the condition of the walls around Jerusalem, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now, again, big picture. This must have been a very low point for this man named Nehemiah. He was far from his homeland. He was actually in a degree of slavery himself. 
different era, different time, different place. But he's far away from his, his, his ancestral city, his ancestral home. And when he hears about the condition of Jerusalem, it, 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 it broke him. It, it, it was a low point for Nehemiah and for God's people. Must have been a low point. It says here, weeping, he was weeping and mourning when he got the news. Just step away from the text for a moment. You ever received that phone call or somebody came by or somebody says, I need to tell you something, and you heard some news that was so heavy, it caused you to go into immediate weeping and or mourning. Some of you have been there when you got the news. This is where Nehemiah is. And yet, this, this extremely low point for Nehemiah and for God's people was quickly followed. You can read about it later in the book of Nehemiah. It was, it, was, it was quickly followed by a rebuilding of those walls and a redefense of the city. It's really a miraculous story where the walls went up very quickly, even though they had been broken down for a long time. So, so again, in the middle of pain, God had a plan. Let me say that again. In the middle of pain, God had a plan, and what seemed to be a breakdown was really a breakthrough. We have this advantage with hindsight. We know the rest of the story that this low point, if you were to graph it, this low point was quickly followed after that by a time of tremendous victory. What appeared to be a breakdown was actually a breakthrough. The hours a long time later, after Nehemiah's time. Now, we're up to about uh, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two A.D. 500 years have passed since Nehemiah's time. And in the hours that were following Jesus' death and burial, there was a time of great despair for Jesus' followers. Now, you're familiar with the story, the true story, of course, of Jesus' death on the cross, but I take you to that time immediately following Jesus' death and burial. Jesus' followers had been with him, had tracked with him, had walked with him for three years, and they had followed him and trusted in him, and most of those disciples believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Not at the beginning, but at the end of those three years. But now, in the, in the span of just a relatively short time, Jesus was not only dead, but he was buried. Now, you say, there's, there's no text that says that they despaired. I'm quite confident they despaired, and here's, here's why I can say this with confidence. Only one of Jesus' followers, people that had been with him, gone every place, done almost everything with him for three years, only one of them was at Jesus' death on the cross. Only, it records only one of them being there. And when Jesus was taken, his body was taken off of the cross and buried in a borrowed tomb, none of the disciples that had followed Jesus for three years are recorded as being present at his burial. I think they were at a low point. I think you have a bunch of people that had followed him, but now they're disappointed and they're like, what's with this? 
They were at a low point. They were wondering what's going on. How's this all going to shake out? I don't get it. And they must have been hurting so much so that they isolated themselves. It's often what we do, isn't it? When we hurt, we, we pull away. When we hurt, we, we turn on, on maybe each other. And, uh, uh, but th- this, is, this is where they are. They're despairing. And yet that low point, right? You, if you know the rest of the story, which is, which is a great part of, the, of that true story, that low point in the hours following Jesus' death and burial At that low point, it was followed just days later by the greatest victory ever when Jesus, glory to God, was raised from the dead. I mean, mean, can you get a, a further extreme on the spectrum of emotions? You've got this incredible low point, the one that they had trusted in, believed in, Uh, said that he was the son of God, saw him work the miracles, believed that he was the promised Jewish Messiah, and 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 then he dies. That's a low point, but it was followed just on the third day following by the greatest high point ever. Jesus is alive. So do you see a pattern? In the middle of pain, God had a plan, and what seemed to be a breakdown was really a breakthrough. <laughs> you, if you would have asked any of the disciples that day, is this, is this a good thing? After Jesus' body was buried, they would say, good thing. This is the worst thing ever. The, the wheels are coming off. That's an expression we would use. Everything's falling apart. This is a breakdown, but it wasn't. It was an amazing breakthrough. Jesus had just died on the cross. He'd broken the power of sin. He'd taken sin upon himself. He had become sin, and he died on the cross for your sin and my sin. We're still experiencing what Jesus did then today. Hallelujah. In the middle of the pain, God had a plan, and what seemed to be a breakdown was really a breakthrough. I'm going to give you one more example. There are many that I could give. I really had to be judicious in finding which ones to, but there are, there are many examples that I could use. But this one, this last one that I'm going to share is near the end of the book of Acts. Here's the scenario. The apostle Paul was a prisoner on a prison ship in the middle of the Mediterranean. Now, I don't know about some of you, but um, for me, I think one of the worst things that could ever happen to me would be uh, as a prisoner on a prison ship in the middle of a, a body of water. I've spent so little time on open water. I get seasick if I watch a maritime movie. I mean, it's just horrible. And here, I, what, what a terrible, un, un, under the best of circumstances, it was a really lousy day. Paul is a prisoner on a prison ship in the middle of the Mediterranean. That's the, that's the back part of the story. But then it says a terrible storm arose. It's a storm that did not last for hours, but days. In fact, no, it didn't last for days. It lasted for weeks. That's incomprehensible to me. And it threatened their very existence. It says this about the people on the ship. Acts chapter 27, verse 20, it says, All hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. That's brief. Again, all hope, all hope, not just some hope, all hope of our being saved or rescued was at last abandoned. 
all hope. I want you to get this. I want you to understand and appreciate just how desperate these people were. Maybe on the first day, maybe after a couple of days, maybe at the end of a week, they're still looking for some kind of means of, of salvation, of rescue. But after a couple of weeks, all hope of our being rescued or saved was at last abandoned. Now, let me ask you, does that phrase or those statements describe what you have felt at times? Have you ever been so tired, so beaten down, so exhausted at your very core that you feel like all hope is lost? Has one wave of something come after, one after another to the point where you just say, I'm done. I'm done. I, 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 I'm done. Just, just kill me now. I'm done. I don't even care anymore. All hope of our being saved was lost. Does that resonate with you? And yet, back to the text, this low point, which I mean this is a low point, that low point when all hope was abandoned was followed by rescue. In fact, the Bible says in Acts chapter 27 that no one on the ship died. No one. No one on the entire ship died. And then the entire island on which they were shipwrecked was eventually transformed by the message of the gospel. Again, you can read it later. It's an amazing story. You have this low point where it's like, I've given up, just, just, just let that last wave come, break apart the ship, we'll sink down, all the pain, all the misery, all the exhaustion, all of the, the, the heartache, all of the fear will be done as I just breathe in some water and it's, everything goes dark. But that low point was followed by an amazing rescue in which no one died. And the place where they landed, miracle after, you can read it later, miracle after miracle happened to the degree that the entire island heard about the gospel and many hundreds received Jesus as their Savior. Glory to God. See, here's, here's the point. Again, in the middle of pain, God has a plan. And what seems to be a breakdown is really a breakthrough. You see it there? You can go ahead and write that down. In the middle of pain, right, the pain that we go through, one thing or another, in the middle of pain, which can seem almost overwhelming at times, God still has a plan, and what seems to be a breakdown is actually a breakthrough. We see this pattern throughout Scripture. Again, I could give you many examples. People with no apparent means of escape. People with no hope of survival. People who had despair so thick that centuries later, we can almost feel it as we read it, right? I mean, do you do that? You, you go, oh, they are in such a desperate, horrible place that I can still almost feel it all these centuries later. But God still has a purpose. God still has a purpose. 
hear me on this. God still has a purpose. Sometimes in, in, in these examples and many others in Scripture, sometimes it was to humble them. Sometimes these were God's people. Understand, these are not people who are running from God. These are people who had surrendered their lives to God. These were not people who were living in unconfessed sin. These were God's people. They were in God's will. In these difficult, painful times, they were in God's will. And sometimes God led them there to humble them so that they realized it's not in your strength or my strength or anyone else's that the only way that we can make it to shore safely or the only way that someone can be raised from the dead or the only way that a, a, a person can be raised up out of this horrible time of death or the only way that walls can be rebuilt is through God. It's not in me. It's not up to me. I can't do it. I'm, I'm done. Sometimes it was to bring them to that place to humble them. Sometimes it was to stretch them. I don't know about you, but sometimes I have been a bit lethargic. I have been uh, uh, given uh, sometimes to, um, to lethargy, to, to laziness, and, 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 or to comfort. And, and God says, all right, I'm going to take you to a place to where you're no longer comfortable and you realize that I've called you to do something. Sometimes that's why God did this. Almost always it was to prepare them. Let me, hear, let me say that again. In almost every occasion like this that you will find in the Bible, it almost always prepared them for something else. It puts them into a place where they would trust in God like never before so that the things that followed would be greater than they could have ever believed in before. I want you to know I've seen this in my years of ministry. I have seen this in my years of ministry. It struck me the other day. It was 40 years ago, next month, this month. It was 40 years ago, this month, that I began preparing for ministry. 40 years. How is that even possible? I look so young, and 40 years have gone past. And in my years of ministry... I have seen God's people going through hard, transitional, and painful times. I have witnessed, I have, I have seen how times where his people are sometimes, God's people are sometimes tempted to despair. Give up. I, I got nothing left. And yet I have also seen when God's people, even in the midst of that pain, when they proceed in faith, when they say, it's hard, I don't know how, but I'm going to do what God has called me to do. When they proceed in faith and when they trust in God, a breakthrough comes. I have seen this, hear me, I've seen this so many times. I have been deeply privileged to walk through those kinds of times with many of you. That comes with a lot of years walking the journey together. I have walked beside many of you, many of, more than I can count, through times of great challenge, through times of great transition, through times of, of tremendous stress. I've walked through those times with you 
Lord willing, we will walk together through more of those times. See, God always has a plan. God always has a plan. Hear me. God always has a plan. I want you to get that in your spirit today. God always has a plan. And what can appear to be a breakdown is actually the beginning of amazing breakthroughs into seasons of greater effectiveness for his kingdom. If we could graph it, it would go like this. Life is going, and then there's a tremendous... Let me do it so you can see it on the timeline. So we have these wonderful times that things are going just like they're supposed to, and then all of a sudden we go into a tremendous time of difficulty or disappointment or discouragement. But then as God's people, instead of stopping there and giving up there, they trust the Lord and they continue to serve Him and trust Him. God takes them to a place of greater effectiveness than they ever had before. In the middle of pain, God has a plan, and what seems to be a breakdown is really a breakthrough. I want you to hear that. Get that in your spirits today. Really, just get that in your spirit. I know that the Holy Spirit has already been speaking that and revealing that to so many here today, but I want you to get that. I had planned on sharing something at the close of this message, but instead, I have been clearly led of the Lord, and it was confirmed to me just a few days ago to make it not something at the end of the message, but a part of the message. As you know, we have gone through some pretty big transitions in our pastoral staff in recent months. Um, March, April, our Connections pastor, Brad Kingswriter, followed God's call to ministry in Arkansas. And after 21 years, a little bit more than 21 years of uh, effective ministry here, they transitioned, we miss them, uh, yet they are in the Lord's will, and by the way, they're doing very, very well. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard saying goodbye to people. Um, hard having that transition. After that, Pastor Ben Snyder, you saw him up here earlier, who had, has served as our young adults pastor for over 10 years, um, asked, met with me and asked me to be, to be uh, prayerfully considered to take that position. Well, we did pray, and uh, he is transitioning into that role. And so grateful for Pastor Ben and Angie and how God has used them and how he's going to continue to use them here. So now for a few months, um, we've been seeking God's direction for our next youth pastor. I want you to continue to pray for, uh, with us on that. We, we never want to get to a desperate place. We want, we want God's clear direction on that. So these transitions are not easy. They're, they're hard. They're hard. They're, they're, they're not easy and they're hard because we grow in our love for others as we labor beside them, right? I mean, we, you, you go through life with someone, you walk the journey with them, and you really grow to love them, and not just like them, but to, to really love them. And yet, even through those transitions, God always has a plan. It's in those transitions that we are given an opportunity to trust in Him more. Say that again. God always has a plan. And in those transitions, we're given an opportunity to trust Him more. Several weeks ago, Pastor Ryan asked to meet with me. You need to know we have a staff meeting every, every Monday uh, for about three hours, Monday morning, and we review and we plan and we prepare and we share what's happening in different 
aspects of ministry throughout the church. But uh, we also have an open door policy. They can come in at any time, and they do, and it's, it's, it's all good. I don't think I've ever turned a, 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 a one of our staff pastors down or really anyone else down unless I had to be at someplace else. But he asked to meet with me. And Pastor Ryan shared with me that some months ago, he and Kelsey had been asked to serve at a church in Minnesota. Uh, they initially declined because they did not wish to put this church in a difficult position with yet another pastoral transitioning. And yet God's direction does not always come at times that are convenient to us. In our meeting, I, I told Ryan that Though we love them, they've never been ours. They've never been ours. They've always been the Lord's. They're just on loan to us, and that we only want them in God's will. Ryan and Kelsey have uh, now accepted that call and uh, are following the direction of the Lord. So Ryan and Kelsey, would you please join me on on the platform? And um, as they're coming, as they're coming, I want to draw your attention again to the screen. I've been very intentional with this. I draw your attention to the screen. What does it say? It says, in the middle of pain, God has a plan. And what seems to be a breakdown is really a breakthrough. What seems to be God why, um, God has a purpose in it. Come on in a little bit closer, you guys. You got your hanky there, Ryan? You got, I knew I saw it there. Now, let me speak to this family. I've known this for a couple of weeks now. And when I uh, first heard it, it was very painful. I've not been looking forward to this Sunday. It, I have been because it's another opportunity to gather together. Um, but uh, I, I know that the news of this is very painful to, to some of you. Uh, the reason is, um, because you've labored beside Ryan and Kelsey. You've become friends. You've become brothers and sisters in Jesus. You love these people. Many of you uh, prayed for them, walked with them, loved on them in so many ways as their family went through those very hard months of Tucker's cancer diagnosis and subsequent treatments. You know, when, when those kinds of things happen, when we go through, our hearts are bound together. I remember the first time I met Ryan. I didn't like him. I thought he was cocky. Yeah, you didn't either. Yeah, yeah. He, he often has this initial effect on people, like, who do you think you are? But they grow on us, and it didn't take long. I always liked Kelsey, but Ryan at first didn't. It's painful. God has a plan. A plan for them and a plan for us. I know this. I was talking with somebody in my office just a few days ago and I said, I can't count the number of times where I said, God, why now? Why is this happening now? Oh, Lord, this, everything was going well. And then this. And yet God had a plan. He always does. 
And I know, I know this. Hear me. Hear, hear your pastor's heart. I know that the months and the, the, the years, should the Lord tarry, the months and the years ahead of us are going to be amazing in what the Lord will do in us and through us. So God's got this. Again, in the decades that I have served as a lead pastor, I've been amazed how as God leads some people out, he's preparing others to lead in. I've seen it. Some of you who are maybe new in the faith, or I'm just going to say it, maybe you're not very mature in the faith. Um, uh, you've not seen it yet, but trust me in this. God leads someone out. He leads preparing someone else in because this is his church. These kinds of transitions are not, God does not lead us through these kinds of transitions, not, not to limit us, but to position us for greater things. God is, is positioning you for something greater. He's positioning us for something greater. This is his church. I know. I've given it to him thousands of times. It's not my church. Don't you call. Don't you ever say, oh, that's Gary's church. Don't you dare. I'll correct you. I have on a few occasions. Don't you ever refer to this as Gary's church. This is his church. This is his church. It's not mine. It's not theirs. It's not yours. It's his church. Would you stand with us, everyone here, if you can? This very precious family is going to be with us for about another six uh, weeks or months. Six weeks. <laughs> and uh, there's going to be opportunity for uh, you to love on them, to care for them, uh, to cry with them, hug their necks. Uh, and that'll be happening in about six weeks from today. Uh, now, hear me on this. Ready? This is, hear me. Um, it's been my experience when these things happen. Uh, I shared this with Ryan. Sometimes people don't know how to uh, handle their grief. And uh, I've seen people become very angry at the people that are leaving because the persons who are staying feel abandoned. In the seven and a half years, Ryan, that you've served with me, I don't, there may have been times, and you can tell me later, but there may have been times where we had I expressed some strong things to you and corrected you, but boy, they, they can't be too many. Um, Kelsey, never, never. <laughs> Ryan, a few times. Um, but I did a couple of weeks ago. I got angry. You know what I'm talking about. Because Ryan said, I feel like I'm abandoning the church. And I said, don't you ever say that again. They are not abandoning you. They are following God's call. But they feel the pain because they love you. And because we've walked this journey together. But I want you to know that in the middle of pain, God has a plan. 
man. And what appears to be a breakdown, like, man, they, if, you got, if, you, if you would have done such a lousy job, this would be a lot easier. If you would have screwed up and, and not built a, an infrastructure of ministry to children uh, and all of the adult volunteers, uh, this would be a lot easier. We would, we would have the party after you leave. <laughs> and you're saying, how, what's going to happen? I don't know, but it's going to be fun to see what God does because this is his church. Johnny, we're going to close differently. We're not going to close with that song. But hear me. I want you to love on these people on the way out. If I hear of anyone getting angry at them, thinking that, that they've abandoned, I'll, I'll work, you and I are going to meet together. I mean it. These are precious servants of God who are following God's call. There's an old song that we still sometimes sing, I'll go where you want me to go. Uh, there's another line that I've had to pray, God, I'll stay where you want me to stay. Sometimes you have to pray that as well. But this is God's plan. These are God's people. We are God's people, and he has a plan, all right? So um, in, in, um, in six weeks, we're going to have a, an event. We're going to have a gathering. We're going to love on them, say farewell to them. You're going to express that in a lot of different ways in the next six weeks or so, but uh, we want to pray with you now, and I want to pray with you. So, um, bow your heads with me. Let's pray together, and, and, and would you just even just extend a hand towards these precious people as I pray for them? Lord, I thank you for Ryan and for Kelsey. I thank you that many years ago you called them. You called them to ministry. You called them to prepare, and you called them together as husband and wife. And then you called them here. Thank you, Lord. And you've used them so effectively. We're so grateful for them. These are precious servants, but they're not our servants. They're yours. And Lord, in your plan, you're, you're directing them to another place of ministry. So Lord, we pray for them. Oh, may you be with them. And there are going to be a lot of goodbyes, but I pray that you'd help them. And they prepare for a lot of hellos too, a new place of ministry. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would uh, guard their hearts their minds. Pray you be with their kids. It's, it's hard on them. They'll be saying good, goodbye to friends and people that are more like aunts and uncles than, than just people in the church. We pray for their family. Lord, I also pray for my church family. I thank you for these people who are so very precious to me, to us. And so, Lord, I, I pray for them. I pray that you would comfort people in their pain because farewells are always hard. So I pray for them, that you would comfort them and remind us that, Lord, even in the times of pain, God has a plan. And, and what, what, what appears to be something that is really, really bad is really an open door to a place of even greater effective ministry. Thank you, Lord, that this is your church. Lord, I've given it to you many times. I give it to you again. We are yours, and we love you. We thank you. And we pray these things. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. As always, these altars are open. You may want to come up and love on these guys and uh, uh, just, just tell them. But you'll have opportunity in the coming weeks 
God bless you. Be praying for us. God has a plan. God bless you this morning.